heavily, I'm a clown. This episode of the Bitcoin Echo Chamber podcast is sponsored by WTFHappenedIn1971.com. The economics meme taking the world by storm where all of us are trying to find out the answer to what the heck happened in 1971. WTF 1971 also has a merch store now. You can find it at WTF-1971.creator-spring.com. I'll post a link to that down in the show notes if you want to check it out. Thanks for the support. Recording going live what is up people the current time yep. in moscow 2811 ben how you doing bud i'm great don how are you doing brother recovering well recovering well from our wild misadventures in miami no kidding man that was insane do you remember our rule our rule was follow every alcoholic drink with a with at least one glass of water. We did a pretty good job. We did. Yeah. We did. <laughs> we survived. It was, yes, it was it was more about survival <laughs> than uh, than anything else. It was a really good time though, man. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, we got to meet uh so many amazing people. Shout out to all you guys. Um we even got a suggestion for the show, which we'll we'll be doing later, just a little hint. As you and and as the viewers can see, we've upgraded our format. Now oh, there's yes. a little logo in the bottom left. It's pretty, pretty high class now. Expect more where that came from. <laughs> um, so, let's let's talk about the conference. Like, what what were your thoughts? Like highlights, pros, cons, best and worst. Uh, worst man was probably all those shit coiners they let on stage. Um, there was so did, many amazing. Did you people. see the the Doge guy? not not in person i right. watched it well, later in a video because we hardly watch i mean I don't, I don't know about you we were together most of the time but i didn't really watch a lot of presentations because we were so right. busy like trying to meet people yeah and and that's really what it was about was connecting with people that um you know we respect that some of them even respect us back you know uh, it was cool to see people that you know we respect a lot that that actually knew who we were and appreciate you know it's like a mutual appreciation but also like that connection um, having those those chats that is hard to have um, on Twitter or whatever, you can kind of aside and, and, and really, really connect with people. So, I mean, it's amazing. Um, really, really like blown away. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool to get to set aside like pretenses and just have conversations with people that you kind of know are on the same page. I mean, you have to make some assumptions about what they believe. Um, but that was really cool. And it was really cool to get to meet a lot of people that I probably had no business like shaking their hands. You know what I mean? Like shook Michael Saylor's hand. That was pretty cool. I got to network a lot um, with like people like surprising to me. I mean, maybe I should have assumed this, but a lot of Bitcoin companies get really excited when you tell them that you're trying to transition into software because they want to hire Bitcoiners. So like I have a few leads for going full time into Bitcoin here pretty soon in, in software. 
Yeah, that's awesome. We met some, you know, people that wanted to, you know, report and interview us. And um, uh, I got to, I got to meet Nick Zabo. So that was, that was kind of like my hero moment. And I was, it was like totally stupid fangirl. I was like, oh, Nick, like your, your thread on gold and everything. And he's like, dude. okay, okay, dude, I, I got to go on stage. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I fanboyed so hard to like so many people. Like I walked up to Jimmy song. I'm like, God, oh, Jimmy, I've wanted to meet you for such a long time. Like you're such an inspiration I don't know, man. Like, I just couldn't help it. Like, because so many of these people, I respect them so much. But I got to meet the only people I didn't meet Marty, and I didn't meet Jack Mallers, and those were the two people that I really wanted to meet that I didn't get the chance to talk to. Um, That's fair. But, um, and also shout out to like all the plebs that we met, like yeah. folks that you know. It was like it was like shake somebody's hand. Is like, like do you are you familiar with our work do you or not? Me? Do you know me? And then, and then it was like, okay, well, do I know you? And and sometimes it was just no. And then some of those chats were also some of the best chats uh, that I had. Yeah. Just, you, you weren't expecting it, but these people are just as far down the rabbit hole and all that stuff. So yeah, I talked great. to a lot of people who were like, didn't even know. And, and I don't mean to like presume that like I'm famous, but like there were certainly plenty of people that I met who maybe didn't recognize me, but when they were like, so who are you? Like on Twitter or whatever, I'd be like, oh, I'm heavily armed clown. And they'd be like, oh shit, it's the guy. Yeah. Um, but I met plenty of people who were just like, yeah, I have no idea who you are. And I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm like, let's, let's talk. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, like I, I checked most everybody off my list that like I really wanted to meet. And then I had like plebs come up to me who watch our show and I have, you know, we don't get like a ton of viewers. This is not like a big show. And that was just really awesome. You know, it's really humbling to like, wow, you actually listen to the Bitcoin echo chamber. Like that's, that's badass. Yeah. It, it was amazing energy. It was great to see all those freedom-loving people in the same place. Um, not I a think mask that, in sight. Well, and then like some well, of the staff. There was yeah, and there was like one or two people wearing masks. Oh. <laughs> That's it. Uh, and there was a huge outbreak of COVID, uh, Colin. I don't know if you heard heard that. Allegedly, right? So we talked about this on <laughs> Tech Vault stream yesterday. Yeah. I don't know if we want to like get into this too much, but like it it all started with Lawmaster's tweet, who I have mm-hmm. muted, so I didn't even see it. Um, <laughs> talking about how everyone that he was with at the conference got covid but he didn't get it because he was a foot above everyone else because he's so tall um (laughs) but you know i don't know and now the media picked up on that tweet and started posting about how we're super spreaders to which i I say yes (laughs) i I think three whole other people also got it so yeah um, yeah well uh eric wall apparently tweeted like that he tested positive for covid which i I don't know. They were saying on the stream yesterday, they were like, isn't that kind of weird? Like that someone would just tweet out their public health or personal health information. Like, yeah, I kind of agree. That's a little strange. Like why, why would that be your first thought? <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyway, um, it was, it was an amazing conference. Uh, really appreciate shout out to the team, to David Bailey, Brandon, all the, all the guys over there. Um, they, they treat us really well. They let us, they let us on a stage to speak we had a great time. Uh, we had a great reception. It was funny because we walked into that room. There was like eight people in there. We were like, uh-oh. And then and by the time, you know, Alex was on, uh, Alex Vetsky, shout out Alex Vetsky. He had a great talk. Um, and by the time we were on, too, it was, it was basically standing room. We, we filled so. up the room. I was impressed. And, and we had lots of people come up to us after. I mean, first of all, like that presentation was some of the most fun I have ever had. Talking about one of my most, like, deepest passions to a room full of people that were like on fire for what i was saying that is one of i don't know that i'll ever top that unless i get to do it again in which case you know, <laughs> hopefully to a bigger audience but i mean we we had that room packed man like 
and people were people were riled up like they loved that presentation yeah. that was so much fun and we had all those people coming up to us after afterwards like asking questions or like hey you know why wasn't this like on the main stage this would have been a great presentation i'm like i don't know go talk to david bailey um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Go go tweet like David Bailey like get WTF 1971 on the main stage next year. <laughs> Let's yeah. make that happen. Meme it into reality. All ten of you guys watching, you should definitely do that. Yep. I think it would really really make a big difference. Uh, Ed Ed in the chat said he saw the video. Uh, thanks for thanks for watching, Ed. Um, hey, real quick, should we do uh should we do are we are we are we done with the conference or you want to keep? <laughs> um, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about? We we had that very strange conversation with that journalist yeah and I, I don't think he's gotten back to us oh no not him uh, oh i'm actually yeah, looking forward to talking to him i'm talking about the the german lady or whoever it was. yes i think she was and, and listen like I, I think in retrospect i think she's like either just falling down the rabbit hole or she's really outside of it and it's just really passionate for some reason because I, I just i don't think she had enough knowledge to to really grasp what right. was happening because her, her questions I don't know, man. Like, well, so first of all, I got quite a lot of DMs when I announced that I was going to be at the conference. I got quite a lot of DMs from people that were just like, "Hey, I'm going to be at the conference. Would like to interview you, or do you, will you have like?" I I got a lot of DMs like that, and like she was one of the ones that I followed up with and was like, "Yeah, sure. Like, I have an hour. Um, we can meet up and and talk, and you can ask us whatever you want to ask us." She was just asking questions that was making me think she really had no idea what was going on like i remember she asked us if we thought the cypherpunk movement was dead and i was just like <laughs> have you been to the foss dome like do you know around you like i mean i guess if, if she spent majority of her time at the main stage you might get that impression right but even then like yeah i mean i don't think jack had done his talk yet jack mallers like come on this kid's memeing legal tenders or Bitcoin into legal tender status in third world nations. Like, that's pretty cypherpunk. Yeah, maybe. I, 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 again, I think she was just kind of a noob. But um, I, 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 we, I think the interview went well and we, we took it for her. So hopefully she can share it with her, her German news outlet that she it was like a tech. She said it was German, like even, the biggest tech was. journal in Germany or something yeah. like that. And they were loosely associated with with shit coins or something i can't, I can't. oh yeah she worked for some <laughs> guy some like, she worked for like the co-founder of ethereum or something and we were just like what yeah what are you doing here <laughs> but that guy from i think from forbes reached out to us so yeah i look forward to That's talking cool. to him i mean he's got yeah. a pretty big following on twitter he said he's gonna write an article i don't know if he wants i guess he wants to write an article about the website wtf which is cool like the more press that that gets the better because it gets it in front of more people i don't even care if like he totally hates it and just says we're anti-semite conspiracy theorists because it just puts the site in front of more eyes we're trying to reach that 10 percent, colin yeah that's right <laughs> um so yeah if you if you haven't watched the video of our talk we both tweeted it out you can go back in the last few days and go find it um let's do a let's do a quick mem uh, mempool update before we jump into the other topics uh the uh, weather report so really quickly, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this is a really zoomed out view. This is a one year view. Um, this, you know, we had like a period of warming here, um, so to speak. And this is like kind of the Elon pump. And it was just it got really crazy for a while. But we've seen a huge, huge drop off um, over the last few weeks. 
Um, so zooming in, uh, this is the one week chat or chart, I believe. Um, was really interesting because going into the weekend, you usually see uh, it kind of starting to drop off already. But with all this El Salvador news, uh, which we'll get into in a minute, we saw a huge spike yesterday. But I still think for the weekend, you should still be able to get some, you know, multi-sig set up uh, or move around some wallets or something or, um, you know, go buy coffee uh, if you like, if that's what your your bag is. But um, the quick mempool update is uh, just basically it's pretty average right now. And uh, I don't see it going... I thought it was going to get a crazy weekend uh, going into all this El Salvador news and all that stuff, but I think it is actually going to be dropping off just by that huge uh, drop off there. So, yeah, um, I, I would say if you're sending transactions, shoot for around uh, maybe 10 sat per byte. If you want to undercut it, you could probably get down to like five or something, um, but you never know. It, it could clear out and you could to go low time preference like uh, was it Nopara that always does one sat per byte. Um, that's very low time preference. Yeah, he is. I, I get yeah. scared by that, man, because I'm like, wow, mempool hell. Um, but I guess you can always like RBF or whatever. Um, RBF. I, I think that that spike is people trying to front run micro strategies. Uh, actually, so let's talk about that. Did you see the presser that they released about um, doing a, another debt round and how they formed a subsidiary called Macro Strategies? <laughs> Yes, it threw me off because I went to, um, was it Bitcoin Treasuries? I think that's the site that Rodolfo Novak runs that has all the different companies that hold Bitcoin. And the the one on the top of the list was MacroStrategy. I was like, I wonder if you, it was like a typo on there. And then I, I went and looked it up and they just, yeah. So they, they released the subsidiary, they, they, they started a subsidiary as like a, a holding for the Bitcoin or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is, um, <clears throat> so I don't know. You know, I don't know any, really any of the specifics about what they're doing there, but my thought might be um, if they list that publicly and it doesn't, well, it's a subsidiary and I don't, this is starts to get outside of the confines of my knowledge on how equities work, but theoretically, I guess they could list macro strategies as a stock and it could function as like a pseudo ETF. Interesting. Yeah, that's really weird it's um, like google google kind of does that right like they have their multiple different tickers uh but i don't yeah like i said i don't want to talk too much about that because i don't know equity structuring as well it's very strange we were seeing like a lot of hubbub about an etf coming about and then it seems to have died off with all this esg nonsense it, I, I don't know maybe it's not related but um i think decisions are coming up soon for some of the ones that have uh that are about and I, I do think that'll be a pretty big event at least uh, in the short term would anybody have expected that a country would make bitcoin its legal tender prior to us getting a bitcoin etf in the west yeah or in, in america i should say not definitely not. i would have never predicted that definitely not um if we want to jump into the el salvador thing really interesting because for me you know you and i were were predicting that a company a country would do this event um pretty soon. And we did say it would be one of these kind of smaller market cap countries. Um, but interestingly, you know, we kind of missed something uh, again, kind of like we missed the micro strategy thing. You know, we were thinking it's going to be high net worth individuals that ended up being corporate balance sheets. And, and with El Salvador, I was expecting it would be something like Venezuela or one of these really high inflation rate countries. But, you know, looking back on it now, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense because those countries are like 
are, are printing money um and there's there's losses conference in the currency because like they're i think they're in kind of dire straits as, as a country right they have a lot of debt they're trying to pay for things it turns out somewhere like el salvador that's been dollarized um just isn't getting a lot of the benefits of the u.s dollar that you know like that we do they don't have they can't print their own money and it, it, i don't know it just it was, it's it makes a lot of sense in retrospect why somewhere like El Salvador do it versus like Venezuela. Um, but yeah, that's a really good point. Like El Salvador doesn't have its own local currency, right? Which I think is something we kind of overlooked. And then you, I, inter- did you listen to the Twitter spaces that he did? The, the one that Nick Carter hosted? Uh, only some of it, oh, yes. Okay. Um, someone at, Nick, I think, asked him a question uh, if their move to make Bitcoin a legal tender in the country had anything to do with fears of dollar inflation or like if it was if it was a move based around monetary policy. Uh, and he said no, he said no. Right. Which is really interesting because it kind of flies in the face of what we were expecting, like the way we were expecting some of these countries to respond to the inflation. You know, like when we did Checkmate, like we kind of knew that a lot of inflation was coming in the future. And yet here we are, you know, like we're looking at pretty, pretty disgusting CPI and CPI is understating it, if anything. Right. So we expected some of these countries to step up and be like, well, we need Bitcoin. Um, and we saw that, but for different reasons than we expected. And someone had also asked him if he was going to add Bitcoin to his balance sheet, like to the federal balance sheet. And the answer that he gave was sort of, well, we're not ruling it out. So it, it seems like um, these decisions that were made in El Salvador really had n- very little to do with monetary policy or greater fears about uh, like a global dollar inflationary environment and more so um jack mallers right and and what he built was strike and um yeah i looked up the number of nations with the highest remittances as a percentage of gdp and el salvador is not even the highest they're one of the highest uh it's like a quarter of their gdp is is remittance um i think tonga is is the highest it's like 30 30 something percent it's close to 40 actually yeah so that's that's one i have been paying a lot of attention to is the tonga guy he's 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 pretty based. Um, just on that last point, really quickly. Uh, yes, we have. I, I totally admit that we, you know, we kind of missed it in that way. But um, we have been saying, and 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 many others have been saying, is that we, that other nations need this technology. They're on, you know, limited access to financial institutions, and and that remittances was a which a huge, um, huge use case for this. I just I didn't think it would be enough for a nation to adopt it in that way. Um, but it is cool to see this technology being embraced where people really need it, you know? For here, it's it's more of a luxury item at this point until we can get it to be, you know, a, a kind of legal tender status or, or um, you know, w- whatever, like where we can use it in our day-to-day lives, where it can be more liquid for us. Um, it really is more like a stock or, or real estate for most, you know, we, you know, Western developed people. And I and place like El Salvador and, and, and Tonga, I mean, they really have this amazing use case for it that this you know like lo- losing 40 percent of of this uh 40 percent right it, it it does add up it's 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 insane that these people are losing so much money so um, so will says i have a question about um president uh, el salvador president said vendors can choose to keep or exchange their btc into usd but is this choice made at point of sale or at a later date um oh okay so yeah well so Interestingly, so like if you listen to the um, Spaces chat that the, the president did with uh, all 20, 
2,000 people that, that tuned in. Uh, he, he basically said that, and, and, you know, keep in mind, he's a politician, so what he says and what he does can be different. Um, but but what the gist that I'm gathering here is that they want, the government is creating a wallet and they're creating a trust fund where they're going to hold Bitcoin and dollars and allow um, sort of function as a clearinghouse where any merchant that wants dollars and accepted Bitcoin can make that trade um, at point of sale um, through the government wallet. But the government wallet so allegedly and, and, and the government's approach to Bitcoin in general is to remain interoperable with Bitcoin, right? So that we're not talking about um, the government holds all the keys and you have to go through the government wallet and they immediately give you dollars every time you buy you buy or sell anything. Um, it, it certainly looks on the surface like they're just sort of giving people the option. Um, hey, you can use the government wallet. Hey, you can tap our trust fund and change dollars for Bitcoin or vice versa. Or, hey, you know, you can go off and, and use Strike or use whatever Bitcoin wallet you want uh, and whatever software is interoperable with the Bitcoin network. Yeah, and the truth is, like, in order to, like, get a POS system set up in, in any any kind of situation, it's pretty expensive. Um, the, those systems are pretty buggy. Um, I, I've had a lot of issues with them when I'm trying to set them up in, in a business in the United States. Um, integrating Bitcoin payments um, can be a lot easier. Can be. You know, I mean, it's obviously this technology is still developing. Things like BTC Pay Server. Um I'm I'm very very bullish on the long term on them just being able to uh, to implement something. But for the meantime, I think a, most of these businesses that are required to accept it are going to be using something like Strike um, in order to just make it easy so that they can decide whether or not they're taking the USD um, or the Bitcoin. But to directly answer the question, yeah, it'll it'll probably happen at the time um, of purchase. I think for most people, but it, well, it could vary. Merchant fees on point of sale systems are. Are pretty outrageous for like Visa and Mastercard and American Express too. Like that, yeah. the, and that you know, set aside the fact that so many El Salvadorians are not banked at all. Um, point of sale systems that aren't Bitcoin don't even make sense in that country. So it, it'll be really interesting. And then like you know, most of the merchants probably wouldn't be able to justify implementing something with such a high overhead. Um, but Bitcoin is a no-brainer, right? Especially with Strike and Lightning, it's it's virtually free. Maybe not virtually, technically free at this point in time. Well, I mean, they could really just set up a wallet and have an address that they send it to and, and do a quick calculation. And that, that stuff is really trivial in in in, in theory, right? In, in practice, like those those tools aren't, you know, 100%, but like it really is that simple for a lot of folks. And that's what people are doing in El Zante from, from what I understand. That That isn't actually that complicated. And I, what I have to wonder, too, is if we see sort of like a resurgence in free banking um, and you see maybe like some up and coming entrepreneur start to issue analog Bitcoin on like paper or open dimes or something like that and function as like a clearinghouse and, and verify the authenticity of, you know, paper Bitcoins, quote unquote, I guess you could say. Um whether or not people are trading like actual physical UTXOs or just IOUs, I don't know. But I would expect you may see that to some degree uh, as some people that are less comfortable with the technology might just say, hey, well, I'll give you this this paper note that's worth, you know, 5,000 Satoshis or whatever. I don't know. It's possible. 
Very possible, but it was my understanding that um, the El Salvadorian government wants to invest in, in getting phones to people so that they can use this technology, um, but I don't know what the status of that is. Um, Jeff Borchers says, I'm curious to see... Oh, wait, Yankee Paramotor said before that, maybe the Bahamas will be the first North American country next. Yeah, so on this... Um, Really quickly, I was talking to one of my friends in Brazil, and I was like, well, it, it looks like other countries are, you know, kind of like looking at what El Salvador is doing and, and considering similar things. And he, he tried to like kind of temper my expectations. You know, he was like, he said some, you know, somebody, people were talking about Brazil wanted to do it, but it was like one or two, it was like the equivalent of like one or two congressmen saying, oh, I like, I like Bitcoin. And we already have that here. And, and, you know, the United States isn't going to adopt Bitcoin. So like if, if one congressman in your country has laser eyes, that doesn't mean that your country is adopting Bitcoin. But I have seen, um, Lord, Lord Futsua, I don't know how to pronounce his name from, from Tonga, um, had, had been talking the other day, how like something like 18 different um, countries have kind of reached out to him looking to do similar things and and we don't know that if it's somewhere in between um where you know where El Salvador is at and like the status in the United States where like one one congressman two congressmen are interested but um, yeah and I, that kind of leads into Jeff's question which is, he says I'm curious to see how much pressure El Salvador gets from other countries and organizations like the IMF as the power of Bitcoin becomes clear to the powers that be that's what happens when you get a giga chat like Jack with boots on the ground um no, I agree. And I, and I think a lot of these countries are kind of just watching, um, maybe with a lot of trepidation, like, oh, like, because this, this is a big move. This is like, you know, literally El Salvador just put the global monetary hegemony in check, right? I mean... <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, I understand that perspective, but at the same time, it's like, what what jurisdiction does the IMF have over El Salvador of what they decide to do? And, like, they're still using a dollars. Lot. A lot. They haven't, well, how? Like, what, who gives them authority to do that, Debt. right? It's 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 an anarchic system at the nation-state level. So, Well, I'm not saying I agree with it, but the IMF provides a lot of capital to these emerging nations. And, yes, they fleece them with, you know, absurdly high interest rates. But, you know, if, if you're – so w – w Let's think about it this way, right? Politicians in general, from what we've seen and from what like we've deduced the way fiat debases society incentivizes politicians to spend, spend, spend as much as they can when they're in office. Um, shunning the IMF in favor of a, of a Bitcoin standard is a very low time preference political activity, right? Because yes, you're setting, you might be setting up your nation for decades, centuries, millennia of prosperity, but in the short term, it's going to be a little painful when the IMF says, well, we think what you're doing is too economically unstable and we're not going to give you that $2 billion loan you wanted. Um, in the short term, that's going to hurt, right? Because especially a country with El Salvador that is pretty undercapitalized in general, um, that may be politically unpopular in the short term. Well, maybe the route that countries like this take is what I've seen them talking about, which is in El Salvador... Um, I don't know the hard numbers, um, but there I, th I think it's a few Bitcoin invest three Bitcoin invested, uh, which means you can get citizenship there. And Tonga is is doing a similar thing, but it's I think it's a larger number. It's in the millions that if you invest um, millions in the economy at, right now, currently, like with U.S. dollars, if you invest a few million in the con um, 
their economy. And, and that can mean like just having it in a bank account there um, or, or like maybe buying a business, but it could just have having it in a bank account that you can get citizenship to Tonga. Um, and they're, from what I understand from listening to him talk, um, he's looking at kind of adjusting that a little bit for Bitcoin um, because uh, he understands the growth potential of Bitcoin. So having somebody come with less than millions um, but it's still investing in the economy. So that's a different way to attract capital. And, and I think it's a more sound way to attract, um, you know, sound capital investment rather than, you know, begging some money or some body that creates money out of thin air and in order to, uh, you know, get them under their stranglehold. Like maybe we don't need the IMF, right? I, I, I hear your, your point, but um, they, they shouldn't need to be, you know, borrowing billions and billions of dollars over and over and over again like that's that is like you said um not not a, a sound way to run your country right yeah you know another thing about uh capital attraction that you need to be kind of careful with you see this in the u.s where uh tax breaks are given to like angel investors or entrepreneurs who invest in or create businesses in places that they normally wouldn't go to or normally wouldn't invest in and you need to kind of be careful with that because it plays with the incentive structure a little bit where um, you might not necessarily even be able to operate the business profitably or as profitably as you could in another locality. But because of the the fake incentives created by the government, um, it, it changes that capital allocation decision. And certainly, like, there's, there's probably a ton of opportunity in El Salvador, um, but watch for some capital misallocation uh, because of the way the incentives are bringing capital to the country. Um, and I, and I, don't, I know less about Tonga than I do about El Salvador, but certainly like the, the geothermal power thing is, is really interesting. Um, and the fact that they, that they tweeted that they're making their, their geothermal power available to entrepreneurs who want to come in and, and build Bitcoin infrastructure. I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting, right? Yeah, and I would err on the side of I think there's opportunity there, but I, I, I hear your caution on that. Very interesting times. I mean, we just we're we're way ahead of the timeline. Um, this, this is something that we were, you know, again talking about a few years ago, but um, it, it didn't really seem real to me at the time that it would be happening within this time period. Uh, well, and again, it's interesting because. Yes, they're making it a legal tender, but as far as what I've gathered from the president, and maybe it's because he's still kind of a Bitcoin newbie and doesn't fully understand the implications of this technology, but like his his decisions were not motivated by monetary policy or by um, you know trying to accumulate this um, deflationary asset for the long term, you know, like balance sheet health. Uh, this was totally seemingly motivated by wanting to be on the cutting edge of the technological sphere attract you know talent and, and capital uh and, and you know bank the el salvadorians who have no access to these services that that are so common in the west um allegedly not motivated by monetary policy and and i find that fascinating yeah it's on the medium exchange side of things um and again to contrast it with tonga a little bit uh it sounds like that is the opposite with tonga it sounds like the uh, the, the Lord of, of Tonga is very interested in the sound money. Like I said, he's very based. He seems very much a Bitcoiner. And um, from what I understand, the, you know, they have um, a reserve in, on the order of hundreds of millions of US dollars. 
and they do want to divest some of that into Bitcoin and hold it directly on their balance sheet. From what I understand, um, don't want to spread any rumors or anything. Yeah, and you know, some of these really small nations, like I think to like like Samoa was another one on that list where remittances make up a really high percentage of GDP. And I know more about American Samoa than Samoa. Um, American Samoa is actually like an American territory. I don't think very many people know that, but um, that. They, they have all kinds of like weird laws where you, you can't own property in the country unless you were you're a native so like they, they don't get a lot of outside capital attraction and the local economies they really suffer under dollar inflation because they're dollarized I don't know about Samoa but I know American Samoa is dollarized and like there, there's not a lot of room you know I, I would think you would want to go to that place and, and do like tech startups right um, because you you but you'd have to take a pretty long term low time preference approach there you'd have to like train people from the ground up and get them into tech and um that'd be the way that you'd like grow a local economy in a place like that 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 other than fishing you know like what else is there to really expand into uh but there there's so many hard limits on your ability to like go there and and buy a property and and start a company cuz you're not a native um you have to wonder if this is going to disrupt some of that more conservative um, policy making around you know like capital attraction like you're seeing with El Salvador and I'm not saying El Salvador was like that uh, I just think it's interesting because I saw Samoa was on that list uh, with remittance as a high percentage of GDP yeah and that sounds similar to Tonga about Samoa um, where there's there is restrictions on who can own land and stuff so uh, yeah in- interesting to see how that will play out as they want to attract capital so very interesting kind of game theory that's uh, arising as a result of um, these decisions that are being made by um, very, very small nations. You know, uh, t- to be fair, the asterisk on this whole thing is um, specifically Tonga is like small. I mean, it's like my my city, which is a not a big city, is has approximately the same population as Tonga. So it's not a you know, it's not a huge thing. It's a tiny island nation. But uh, I think what, what really strikes me is just how much it sounded like this this gentleman really does understand this technology he understand he's hanging out with the plebs mm-hmm. on like a nightly basis now and they are shooting the shit they're joking around but then they're just they're talking they're talking like bitcoin maximalist talk you know mm-hmm. it's amazing and and see i think um the reason i i think uh there's still probably very few world leaders who actually understand the monetary implications yes. of bitcoin um you know he might be one of the first and i and i think the El Salvador thing is almost the the whole point of sale, strike lightning, all that is almost like a Trojan horse um, yeah. for this nuclear weapons grade monetary technology that's just going to totally destroy the global central banking system from the bottom up. Um, and right. I, I think that this, I, I would mark this point in our timeline as the beginning of um, a global awakening at the nation state level for how powerful this technology is going to be, not just as a medium of exchange, but as a monetary um, store of value. Yeah, I think that's profoundly correct, Colin. <laughs> well, should we move on? Yeah. Anything else you want to hit on? Um, so, yeah, I definitely wanted to do. So, this is a, a big shout out to uh, Stackmore. Um, 1971 bubble. Uh, he's a good good friend of ours now. We got to meet him down in Miami, and he had this great idea for a stream. So we're gonna try to do it. Uh, if we don't, feel free to lambast us. But uh, for this week, 
we have a chart of the week, Colin. Uh, I think this is uh, meat consumption in the United States. We don't have um, a lot of information about this chart, but um, fascinating nonetheless. Um, I, I painstakingly colorized some of this so we could see it a little better. It was all black before, but um, what, what are we looking at here, Colin? What yeah, so my initial thoughts on this when I saw it. Oh, by the way, the chart of the week thing, it's going to be like WTF 1971 charts and in some cases, like with this one, did we put this one on the website? No, it's. I'm going to put it up um, either today or tomorrow. Okay. Um, we've actually, this past week, we've had quite a few new ones. Um, so my immediate thought is this. Um, as inflation drives up the cost of production, chickens probably are one of the most easily mass produced. Um, they probably have the lowest capital overhead because they're small, right? They're easy to raise. Um, you can put them in boxes. I mean, it's, it's sad to say, but you know, the over-industrialization of chicken is a lot easier than the over-industrialization of beef. And that's why you see beef kind of start to taper down because cows require a lot of space. They require a lot of maintenance. Um, chickens are a lot more easy to just mass produce. Uh, and I think that that's kind of what you're seeing here as the margins become more difficult for husbandry um, operators. Yeah, 100%. And, and and really what he's referring to here is, is what Breedlove mentions is the, the winemaker's dilemma that as inflation comes about and the cost of production increases um, in, in, in nominal terms, um, that we're forced to debase the content of our products. And in this case, it sounds like we are trading, um, you know, what Bitcoin maximalists um, <laughs> proclaim is, is, a, is a much better um, form of meat uh, than chicken, right? Beef, um, having, you know, eating red meat. Uh, I, I know I've, I've been eating a lot more red meat the last year and I felt much healthier and much better. And uh, it's, you know, if you look at like the CPI stuff, like they, um, they don't, you know, they don't include a steak, a price of steak in the CPI, I think for a very good reason. So, yeah. well, and, and red meat has been demonized a long time alongside this interesting shift in um, food production, right? Mm, Why, right. you know, they didn't demonize meat before the 1970s. Like people just ate red meat just because that's what you did. Um, and they never demonized chicken. Right. Well, and, and chicken, look at, look at the, go back to, you know, prior to the 1970s, chicken made up the smallest part of the, the Western diet. Um, and now it's by far and large the largest as far as meat consumption goes. And uh, you got to wonder, you know, why co conveniently red meat became so dangerous and the cause of all these health problems. And, oh, don't eat it. It's not good for you. It, it sounds pretty eerily similar to some of the other um, corporate uh, fiat thoughts that get shoved into your brain about the ways you need to behave and the things you need to do and the, the ways you need to spend your money. Yeah, and, and I think it's really interesting, too, to watch that all-leading meat, which is that really thin line uh, in the middle there. How it stayed relatively stable this entire time, and we essentially, and, and and pretty much the other ones too, it 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 looks like basically just beef has been replaced with chicken. It's it's very fascinating to me. So anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but that's the chart of the week for today, Colin. I love it. Um, I, that was a great idea, Stackmore. Thanks yeah, for that, man. It was a great idea, we'll, and we'll he try to do that every week. And I I told him to remind me about it, and then we saw him like an hour later, and he's like, "Hey, chart of the I week." <laughs> I wanted to remind you what the I was like. Could you remind me like, a little bit? And he's like, "Oh, okay, I, I, I got it." He's Love that guy. guy. I like. Yeah, that. he's a good guy. Um, what about this? Uh, oh, I heard ben, the pipeline. We, we got Taproot. Oh, Taproot. What? Taproot locked in, man. What's What's Taproot? What um, is that I, like a? Is I think it's like got a, something to do with dentistry. Is that a tuber? 
<laughs> totally, this is going to be the biggest upgrade, the biggest technical upgrade that Bitcoin's ever gotten since Tech SegWit. This is this is going to be huge. I mean, you know, you didn't see how much SegWit changed Bitcoin immediately because people were slow to implement. Um, Lightning took some time to kind of get built out and. It, it was it was a slow burn with SegWit, but like we're still just now reaping the benefits of that up, upgrade to SegWit. Taproot, I think, is going to be the same. I think it's going to take five, ten years for the technology around uh, the tech, the things that Taproot technology make possible to sort of get built out and proliferate. But it is going to be incredible. Bitcoin is going to look like a totally different animal in another five or ten years. Okay. Right, well, one correction here. Technically, it hasn't locked in yet. It'll lock in at the end of the epoch, um, oh. and the activation isn't till November, November, November. I think. Yeah, um, I I would maybe modify or at least slightly disagree with your time frame there. I I do agree that it's going to be a while before we actually see the benefits. Um, but you know, the people that are on the cutting edge, I think we'll start to see this in six months after November already. It'll already be working in um, some of these products, like well, you know, like like we did with Segwit, right? The the yeah. first adopters were there benefiting immediately, um, but mm -hmm. you know, took just now we had to meme who was it, blockchain wallet or whatever, to, to yeah. start using Segwit. And that was about three years, four, maybe four years, depending on how you look at it. So I I, I see what you're saying there, but um I. I'm I'm optimistic that we'll get to you know see some of these benefits earlier than five to ten years. I, sure, I certainly totally. hope. I mean, I mean, um, like a total proliferation. Yes, and yeah, I think the biggest um, the biggest pot of honey there is the uh, uh, signature aggregation, cross input signature aggregation, which is the one that I know is a long way off. That um, that's that's not happening yet, but. Um, yeah, very bullish. Um, very happy that this is finally um, going to come to us. And uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry um, I interrupted your topic segue for say for Taproot just because I wanted okay. to make sure we talked about it. Yes, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you got it in there. Um, the you wrote the FBI pipeline hack. Did the FBI hack a pipeline? Is that well, no, um, <laughs> no. And, and I thought Matt O'Dell had a pretty good take on this on their most recent rabbit hole recap, where he basically said. Um, you know, well, well, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's absolutely not a false flag because you, I don't have enough information to say that. But like, I I do tend to agree with Matt here that this is probably not a false flag. Um, and I we talked about this when I was on Tech Ball yesterday. But you know what you're what you're looking at here is ransomware for hire, right? They whoever was involved in this um, this ransom may very well have not been a very sophisticated technical user right yeah. yeah because they didn't they didn't write the code for the ransomware that was outsourced by um dark or whatever the name of that company is that builds ransomware software for end users that that and then they take a cut of the ransom um and they got their cut yeah they got their <laughs> from cut. what we get and, from and, what we understand you know really you don't have to be a very this might have just been this might have been somebody internal at the company that had access right this might have been um like some kid like some script kitty that yes. literally just found a hole, you know, somewhere in a firewall. Like shout out, shout out to Ribs for that, um, for that piece of insight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ribs um, no chat. <laughs> so I don't think it's really all that far fetched that whoever was behind this had no idea what they were doing with Bitcoin. They might have never even really used it before and just thought, well, 
you use Bitcoin when you do ransomware, of course, mm -hmm. because it's an right. uncensorable currency. Because uh, there were a lot of faux pas involved on their on-chain security and privacy, um, and it ended up, you know, a large portion of the Bitcoin ended up being recovered by the FBI, and a lot of people were quick to say, "Oh, you know, clearly this is an inside, or this was this was a uh, just totally fabricated by the FBI, and they were the ones behind this all along." And I think that there's probably a bit more nuance here. Um, I think it's more likely that whoever was behind this was an amateur. Mm -hmm. Well, there's there's a few things. One, I, I've, I've heard a lot of people saying this, including Matt and Marty, um, but I believe it was originally an Andreas um, insight. So again, credit where it's due. Um, people use Bitcoin because it's good money, right? Um, and the fact that you know we're seeing ransomware attacks is not a product of the of the fact that Bitcoin's good money. It's a, pro a product of the fact that our security is bad, right, yeah. in general. And um, I, I, Matt, I, and Matt didn't actually say the words, but it, it, was, in, it was in my head when I was listening to him. Um, these are unsolicited bug bounties, Colin. Right. Um, he, he said it in a slightly different way, but yeah, they're unsolicited bug bounties. You got a bug, um, you know, then you got to fix it. And if you don't, somebody might hold your stuff ransom. So. Uh, let's increase our security as a society. Let's not let this be a piece of FUD. You know, criminals use cars and and um, and and U.S. dollars and all sorts of other things. They use clothes as well um, and cell phones. So uh, we're not banning those things. They're great technologies. Bitcoin's a great technology. Uh, it's not a reason to ban it. So, totally agree. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, your girl. I think that's um, all I had to say on that. Your uh, your girl, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Um, uh -huh. Shout out to Elizabeth Warren. Should I make you, an off-color joke? You, yeah. <laughs> My dad sent me something, and it was like a, a picture of a white Jeep Cherokee, and he said the new Elizabeth Warren model is coming out this year, or something like that. It's oh. Nice. Okay. Um, yep, you're gonna. If you'd like to cancel this, folks, this is probably the one oh, to do it I on. Don't give two shits. <laughs> Go right ahead. So, again, we talked about this with Tech Bolt yesterday, but. Um, Man, Elizabeth Warren is just like the textbook um, in bed with the system politician. She, she's like the soccer mom that decided to get involved with, um, you know, protecting special interests. Like she doesn't know anything about anything. Nothing that comes out of that woman's mouth makes any sense. And if she were, you know, it's it's so obvious. Did you see the video of her coming out of her private jet and hiding behind her aide? as they were filming her because she didn't want to be seen coming out of a private jet because she's constantly bashing the public over the head with her climate change narratives. She's a hypocrite. She's a liar and she protects special interests and that's just what these people do and they will sit up on stage or go on video and they will lie to you over and over and over and over to protect whatever their special interests are. And it's so obvious that Elizabeth Warren has no interest in um, actually reforming the monetary system which she claims you know oh she's one of those like capitalism is broken people um and i don't spend a ton of time listening to this woman so i don't know her her positions all that well but i do know that if she was really truthful about wanting to fix the broken monetary and economic system in the west she would be looking at bitcoin first and foremost instead of jumping on the bandwagon um talking about things she clearly doesn't understand she she's a useless bureaucrat, and I, I hate these people with all of my heart. Well, um, I wanted to, you know, just address Elizabeth. I know Elizabeth watched the show. Um, if she would like, we're happy to send her some of um, Nick Carter's FUD dice. I have the newest version. 
to help her, you know, in the future so she can continue to um, have terrible takes like this. Um, it's just really easy. You just roll the dice and you can see which piece of foot. So like uh, Satoshi is going to come back, right? So like that's the, the foot of the day, you know, and that'll obviously crash the network. So Elizabeth, um, just send me your um, personal address. Promise not to share it with everybody that's um, that's listening and uh, I'll send you those foot dice. So, yeah. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> You know, I'm a good guy. Yeah. I, I don't care what people say about yeah. me. And Elizabeth, we'll have you on the show too if you want to come Absolutely. talk, share your point. Maybe you have some valid points. We'll hear you out. Come on you on know, the show. Well, I think this goes back to kind of what you're saying. It's like, I mean, yes, obviously she's, you know, all of those things you said, but uh, I, I really do truly think that a lot of these um, leaders, you know, in our in our governments don't understand uh, money they don't understand technology i didn't understand money a few years ago and um it's it's very easy to reject this this thing based on all of the uh you know the media fud that's around um i, I encourage these people to really dig in and, and do what lord fatua did and 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 understand this technology um because it, it really is there's there's a new technology there are implications to that and and it does take a lot of work to understand there's there's no doubt about that right um, I've spent so much time trying to orange peel people lately. This isn't like, I guess this isn't really a message to world leaders because nobody's listening, but man, like it's, it's really hard because I, I've been talking to this one guy for years and now he's like starting to fall down the rabbit hole. And then he comes and asks me questions and I've been talking to him for years. He's been learning about it for months. And then he comes and asks me questions like, wow, you don't even like understand basics of like the protocol or like how it works he doesn't know what lightning is yeah, i had to explain to him lightning and liquid he, yesterday ben he doesn't have like, thirty six thousand dollars to just go out and buy a bitcoin with no I, I got hit with that the other day by someone that i've talked to about this quite a lot he said well but what if i don't have a whole thirty six thousand dollars to buy a bitcoin it's right okay. and when and it's when okay. you can buy a whole bitcoin then you obviously understand the technology too right but yeah it it is sad that things like that uh, and things like the Lightning Network and scaling Bitcoin are still like, there's just such a pyramid of knowledge about Bitcoin. Uh, he was asking me about the banking system and I was like, oh man, what do you want to know? <laughs> Euro dollars and then, you know, like mystery of central banking. And, um, uh, man, it's just, it goes on and on. Um, so it's it's like a never ending cornucopia of, uh, of stuff you can learn and try to understand this technology. Well, I don't know. I, right, and, and I would encourage people like Elizabeth Warren to ask this question, what the fuck happened in 1971? And, and maybe, you know, that will get your, your rusty old gears and your, and your noggin running and you'll start to ask more questions and eventually arrive at answers that aren't based on total fallacies and protection of special, special interest groups. But, uh, I have little faith in the bureaucrats, Ben. Well, you know, uh, I think greed is a very powerful motivator as well. Um, mm. And, you know, Bitcoin is a machine that turns greed into freedom. Shout out Alex Gladstein. Um, I think people will understand this technology when their salary depends on it, so to speak. Uh, that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm bullish on Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, they can't stop us. We're going to win. Especially, we are like, freaking Jack Mallers, right. man. What a hero. Are you winning, son? Yeah. Jack, Jack Mahler's can say yes. <laughs> yeah. Did you see my meme of Jack at the party? And it says, they don't know that I will die on this hill. <laughs> he will, folks. He will. I and, love that kid, man. He is he's such got an a, inspiration. He's got an army of people that, that would go to bat for him. Dude, totally. And, and that's like my dream job to work for Strike. I just feel totally underqualified to even apply. So. 
Jack, reach out to us. Um, yeah, yeah, I know you're know you're here watching the show, Jack. But <laughs> you're my hero, dude. Oh, what whatever anything you need, dude. Anything I can do to help the mission, I'm on board. That's it, man. We're all on a mission to bring this technology. It, this technology's already there. It's there if you need it. But like getting people to understand this and how it can help them and help their countries and help their communities, everything. That is the goal, right? That's why we spend so much time um, talking about Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm particularly captured by this idea of getting it into the hands of the people who are at the lowest end of the balance of power, right? Because when this thing flips and the balance of power just totally flips on its head, um, those are the people that you want to see, you know, rise up out of the, the ashes, right? It's, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Um, if, you know, if, if El Salvador continues on this path, in 10, 20 years, they might be one of the leading nations on the planet, it, you know, or maybe not nations, you know, maybe because the whole paradigm of, of global geopolitical strategy changes so much, but certainly like a, a group of extremely prosperous sovereign individuals would be great to see. Yeah. And, and that part of the theory, like I said, seems to be playing out, right? Like where this technology is needed the most, it is being used, you know, even if Venezuela hasn't adopted it, you know, those, those charts on useful tulips, are, are going parabolic and in Turkey and in Argentina and, uh, you know, in, in parts of Africa, it's starting now as well. And I, that's that's the economic reality of this technology where people need it and people are learning about it. They're already starting to use it and that will continue. So it's it's great to see that, you know, that is playing out, at least on some small scales. Right. And I think it will continue to do that. I don't think the United States will be the second country to adopt Bitcoin as a legal tender. I do think it will be the smaller market cap countries. And uh, for that reason. And that's great. Yeah, and, and screw the shitcoiners who are constantly trying to piggyback in on this stuff and, and hijack these movements. Fuck you people, man. Like, because yes. we're talking, like, Jack Mellers came in, he built something incredibly valuable. He took it to, he went and he met with these people, he broke bread with these people, he befriended these people, he got them on board and he is changing their lives, and you have these shitcoiners coming in trying to monetize this. Fuck those people, man. They are, and I, I tweeted this like a couple of years ago, but like I consider any of these shitcoiners complicit in obstructing our attempts to defuse, you know, this this colossal bomb that's ticking, which is the global monetary system. Yeah, and they're, you know, like I said, I think greed is good, um, but you know, you you got to be careful, right, with greed, um, and you got to be careful not to attach yourself to the wrong horse because that can blow up in your face, whether it be, you know, monetarily speaking, you attach yourself to a horse that uh, ends up going to zero in some sense, or you can lose your reputation as, as we saw happen, you know, I think we should just briefly touch on it. Um, you know, we don't have much time left, but you know, breed love, what are you fucking doing, dude? We love you. We think you're brilliant, but like, man, don't like learn in public. You're basically pulling an Elon right now. Uh, like, oh, I'm looking at BitCloud. I, for folks that you know, maybe don't know, he he tweeted about this stupid scam, BitCloud, and um, like, listen, just admit it was a mistake, right? Like, this thing has absolutely no viability. It is literally a scam. It, there's, it's all the incentives are designed to um, to, to get money for the, the the organizers of BitCloud and and not to do anything useful technology wise. Um, so I, I'm very disappointed to see him do it. I hope he just, I hope he kind of can make some kind of apology or just say, you know, okay, I'm done with it at the very, very least. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know what else to say, dude. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, there's a line, right? Because Breed Love's done a lot of really great things for Bitcoin. 
Absolutely. Uh, it, was, it was the same things that I was saying about Michael Saylor when everyone was trying to jump down his throat for the mining council thing. Um, they, some of these people have earned a little bit of patience, guys. But social, social capital. You can totally disagree idea. with what Breedlove is doing and saying here, and and I do, and it's out of love and respect for him that I say, "What the fuck are you doing, man? Stop! Like, do not, like." And that's why it's why I tweeted this morning. You know, if you if I've ever managed to untie myself from the mast, please take me out before I descend to the watery depths of shitcoinery. Because, like, this is not where you want to go. This is not how you want to go out on this story. Like, don't don't turn yourself into the villain. Just just fucking don't, man. Yeah, they've accumulated some social capital. Um, they can burn a little bit with me. I, you know, I'm not gonna. <laughs> if I see Breedlove tomorrow, I'll have the same conversation with him, and I'm I'm still happy to hang out with him. But um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he can kind of repent a little bit. Um, shout out to Harry Lasagna, who we we kind of almost met when we were in Miami. Uh, don't marry ideas, date them. Yeah, and, and don't marry your heroes either. You can date them too, I guess, or or whatever. But and, and um, nobody is above reproach right no. like nobody and, and like don't get it twisted when i say that he's earned a little bit of trust and patience like with that social capital he's mm-hmm. not above reproach um right granted this- I, I just like to try to taper the the toxicity the the um internal toxicity a little bit right because like right you don't need to attack the people who get it with the same ferocity as the people who fight it you know what i'm saying but like th- these are like our, our brothers man like and, and you watch them you're watching them go like off the cliff to their death. Like, I, you just, you, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to communicate this as best as I can. It, it it's upsetting. It, it it is a little frustrating. Um, I again, I I think I feel like there's something we're missing here. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, and I I hope we get some kind of resolution on it. Well, I can tell you probably exactly what happened. Somebody got in his ear about what a great idea and what a great project it is and that he really needs to give it a fair shot. I guarantee that's how this shit works, man. Like somebody gets in your ear and says, hey, you know, I'll, I'll give you 10,000 BitClout tokens or whatever the fuck they use if you just look into this or, or you know, it's just how this goes. So I mean, it's probably fucking Balaji or some shit. Well... I don't know, but come back, Breedlove. Make you know, don't be afraid to admit that you made a mistake, right? Um, I feel like I had something to profound, profound to say there. You 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 said it really well, Colin. Trying, man, trying. All <laughs> right, anything else you want to hit on? I gotta I gotta get going here in a minute. I don't think so. Shout out to the plebs in the chat. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, thanks for stopping by and tune in next week to find out what the chart of the week will be. Yes. <laughs>
Whoa!